Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. This is Priscilla. And this is Norma. And you're listening to... Is Some Mystery for Me. Da-da-da-da! Welcome to track number 10. It's Tuesday and we're back with another cautionary tale. But before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to share something really heartwarming. I already told Norma off air. Maybe you should tell them. Why would I tell them? You're the one that received the email. I guess, but it's to our email address. Okay, fine. So someone close to Sharita Williams actually reached out to us just to talk to us about certain things but also to just really say how much they appreciated that we were telling Sharita's story and how they believed Sharita would be really proud of how we did it and honestly it was so heartwarming Mm -hmm. had me like honestly like tearing up well we do this because I don't know one day I just felt compelled and to do it and it came to my head and I bothered Norma about it for like a week or two and then I just started game planning. That's right? not the way it happened. Okay. Um, do you want to tell people sure how it happened? I'm pretty sure that I came to you with an idea of what can we do on the side? No. Yeah. I mean, that's how it came about and you thought about like podcast. Okay. We don't have the same memory. But anyways, when we decided on doing the podcast and focusing on black females specifically. Okay, the theme itself. The theme. Yeah. I think we set out with the same idea of just raising awareness. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if, if I'm being honest, I don't know if we realized how much work it was gonna be. Um Norma's yeah. just staring at me because Norma doesn't do any work. But there's a lot that goes into researching these cases and putting it together and editing these cases. Um um it's not easy. It's not cheap either. I know that it's expensive. You you do a lot. You do a lot. I do and- a lot. And it's not only financially expensive, right? It's more so like when it comes to my time. Yeah. It does cost time. But it's time that I'm willing to give. If you're curious, I give like what? Like the least amount of time would be five hours. The max is 10 hours per episode. So I would I mean, say about 10 hours. Yeah. yeah. It, it probably it's shakes out to, to more 10 hours. Well, we're here. We're going to keep delivering every Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to that person who sent us that email. Um, I'm keeping the rest of the contents of the message private because that's what they asked us to do. So, yeah, but it was it was really great to read it mm-hmm. and just see, like, what kind of impression we're having on people who, who knew the, you know, the victims of these cases, right? So. Yeah. Feel free to continue to write in and, and let us know your thoughts, like good or bad, because also we are, we're trying to be respectful at the same time and we're learning as we go. So, you know, let us know how we're doing. Oh, another thing I should bring up is that someone left a review on Apple just saying how much they love the podcast and if we have a Patreon account. But we do not have a Patreon account currently. Um Patreon accounts, a lot of like the big true crime podcasts have them and they'll have you like, I don't know, you you pay $3 a month or $5 a month for like a membership and it's like almost like a, a, not a fan club, I would call it the mysterious fam, I don't know, but the mysteriosos. <laughs> but anyways, we don't have a Patreon account right now. Um, we are planning to start one in the future. I think we're just trying to get the gist of like, producing these episodes, editing them, and we don't want to overpromise something and then underdeliver. Right. Like, you know, because a lot of these accounts will be like, okay, give us $5 a month and we'll give you an extra like mini sewed. And it's like, 
right now we're just like focused on putting out an episode every single week and delivering on that. Mm-hmm. And that is tough. I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's tough. But we're trying our best to be consistent because we understand that people are actually consuming this content. Our numbers are growing, by the way, Norma. I haven't yeah. showed you in a while. But it's up there. And it's going to continue to grow in the thousands right now. So, hey. That's, that's a not, big deal. That's that's nice. So, um, aside from the Patreon thing, and speaking of reviewing our podcast, you guys should feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Why not? Or any of the sites that we're featured on, right? Like Spotify, Amazon, etc. Because, I mean... Again, we like to hear from y'all and we want to know how can we improve? What do you love? What do you wish we did more of? What do you wish we did less of? Do you want to hear Norma talk some more and read some more like scripts or? No, you don't. Yeah. People do want to hear your voice, Norma. Mm -hmm. You're the people's voice. Anyways, I think the structure of the podcast actually mimics our relationship in real life because in real life, I'm very like over the top. And Norma, do this. Norma, do that. I mean, we found old footage like of us as kids. And if you guys saw it, I literally was telling Norma what to do. I would like, I don't know, come up with dances and we would dance for the family and sing for the family. But it was so interesting watching these videos back and seeing how much of a like a little leader I was, a baby leader. Mm -hmm. It's so cute to see. It just makes me happy because I was like, wow, I was such a like ambitious confident kid i think that carried over to my adult self right kind of oh absolutely absolutely yeah the sources for today's episode includes a dateline secrets unsolved or i think it's called secrets uncovered episode and that show airs on oxygen and a crime watch daily episode which is on youtube primarily and of course a bunch of articles and you guys already know If you want to look into today's sources, if you want to see pictures of the people we talk about today, go ahead and check out our website at www.itsamysteryforme.com. Point blank period. Okay, so this week's case takes us to the south, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And um, this case is also solved. So you'll have, again, a little bit of, okay, I'm glad this person is put away at the end of this, Mm -hmm. but you'll still feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad that this person isn't here anymore. Like the person who went through this tragedy as the victim, right? So there's still that. Okay, so I guess I'll just jump right in instead of going on and on. This is the Shakita Tate case. Have you heard of this case? I think you mentioned like... I have heard of this case because they were showing it on TV maybe two weeks ago. And you're casually watching TV? You no, never watch no, TV. No, I definitely, I, it, I was not watching TV. Mom was watching. Okay. And I happened to walk into the living room and that was the episode playing. Yeah, makes sense because if you guys didn't listen to our intro episode, which I feel like is already stale and we need to redo, but our mom is like this true crime like addict. Okay, she had us watching it while we were Sunday cleaning Mm -hmm. as kids. Okay, and I mean, so I'm not surprised by you saying that, you know, it was on TV and mom was watching it. So a little bit of background about Shakita. Shakita was one of seven kids. Seven kids. Wow. Wow. Um, She was raised by her grandparents and in the true crime I don't even think it's called true crime, but in the Crime Watch Daily episode, um, her sister basically said the mom was not around because she was on drugs, unfortunately, and the dad just wasn't there. So, Mm. you know, it's the grandparents who raised them. And another thing that was said on this episode was that the grandpa used to say to Shakita as a kid, with that mouth, you better become a preacher or a lawyer. (laughs) And guess which one Shakita became? She became a lawyer, guys. Yes, this is another lawyer case. (sighs) And I'm really sad by, you know, because if we're talking about them, you already know if this episode is based around a person, most likely they've, you know. Yeah, they're they're no longer here with us. They're no longer here because of some douchebag coward. But we'll get to that in a second. All right. So I think you can tell at this point that um, Shakita was a very tenacious kid, um, which clearly makes for a bomb criminal defense attorney, which is what she eventually became. 
She was really close with her sister, Danita. Um, and Danita is interviewed in the Dateline special and also in the, the Crime Watch Daily episode. So she seems to be the sibling that at least is the one that, that is comfortable speaking in front of cameras because I could not find any other sources that really talked about Shakita and her relationship with her other siblings. So I can't really say one way or the other. Let's talk a little bit about her academics because, of course, Black excellence, she excels in school. She was first generation to go to college in her family and to go to law school. She passed the bar on her first try. Big deal. Girl. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then she loved the law so much that she apparently had a lady justice tattoo on her back. Now, now that's wow. love. That's love for the law. Mm-hmm. Because what? So let's talk about her work life a little bit. So you guys already know she's a criminal defense attorney and it definitely kept her busy. She was known to be super tough, especially in the courtroom. She fought hard for her clients. Her style was kind of described as eclectic, where she would come in one day and she would look super conservative in her pantsuit, like, you know, Hillary Clinton type thing. Mm -hmm. And then the next day she would come in with spiky hair and stilettos. And this description was given by um, Pem Burns, who was uh, the, no, not Pem. I think her name is Prem. Wait, you said... Um, this description was I'm given sorry, by Prem Burns. You who said was a Hillary... Who was a pro- Whoa, can I, can I talk? Wait, what are you saying, Norma? <laughs> you were saying something about Hillary Clinton in the suits, but I, I thought about Kamala Harris. Like, Oh, yeah, Kamala ins- does, but like the whole pantsuit thing was like a thing with Hillary Clinton. Okay, Remember? I guess like for the time, yeah. Right, okay. okay. So sorry. back to what I was saying. Her adversary, a prosecutor named Prem Burns, who would later take on her case... Would, yeah, oh. she had such good things to say about her. And she was the one that described her style in that way. Um, she was just really impressed by her. She said she could hear her coming down the hall because her heels were just like, you know, you could just hear it on the on the floor. Um, but I, I think that is I think it speaks volume that her adversary is sitting on this TV program just speaking so highly of her. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are just petty, right? And they're not going to say, like, they're not going to acknowledge that, like, you did a good job. You won this fight, like, clean and clear. You know what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of people are not so mature. Yeah. And she just, you know, she just acknowledged that Shakita, her skills were, like, beyond. That she was a true, like, attorney in the courtroom. She commanded the presence of everyone in there. According to CNN, her friend who was a judge said that Shakita's model was justice for all, especially for those most vulnerable in society. Yes, she was doing the people's work. She was Mm -hmm. doing work that I'm honestly afraid to do, Um, you know, because people don't understand that with criminal defense work and even prosecution work, you have someone's life in your hands. Mm -hmm. You have someone's life in your hands. It's like being a doctor. I I would say it's comparable to that. Right. And it's like, you could fight your best fight and they could end up still doing serious time or they could end up like on the street when they shouldn't be on the street. I mean, with all that and I already have anxiety, I was just like, let me just do read contracts all day. And that's how I became a corporate attorney. Well, this doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, Norma all. like did a whole public interest prosecution route. Right. Um, well, Shakita would do was doing the good work and her sister talks about it in the the Crime Watch Daily episode that that Shakita was dealing with a lot of people that were scary. There were people like mm-hmm. gangbangers coming into her office like accused murderers, things like that. And her sister just said how these people would come into her office and just laugh and carry on with Shakita. And they loved her. They loved her. Yeah. So she has like a great relationship and great rapport with her clients. And of course, Mm -hmm. like, like I said, they came from all walks of life, but she did deal with like some dangerous people. So let's talk a little bit about her personal life because we talked about her, like, you know, her professional life a little bit. So... Shakita was married at the time of her murder. Just to give you guys an idea of the time frame, Shakita was murdered in February of 2009. Okay, she got married 
I want to say like in like early February of 2008. So she had only been married like a year and change. And I'll say this. The guy she ends up marrying, his name is Greg Harris, by the way. They were not dating for too long before they got married. I would say like a few months, if that, maybe a year tops. So her her romance with Greg, mm-hmm. let's just, let me tell you guys how this started off. Because her, her sister, Danita, spilled the tea on, you know, Crime Watch Daily and also on the Oxygen Show. So apparently they met at a stoplight. I remember this part. You do? Yeah. Okay, well, Shakita was in a, what, what was Shakita driving? Okay, I don't, I don't remember. Exactly. I don't remember All right, that so Shakita was driving a Corvette, apparently. And Greg was driving a Mercedes. And apparently at this stoplight, he had cut her off. So what did Shakita do? She cursed him the F out. Wow, that sounds like something I would do. That's what I was thinking. As soon as I heard this story, I said, this sounds like Norma. <laughs> so, and, and apparently it was love at first sight and it took off from there. Within a few days, she had told like a friend who was a judge that she wanted to marry this guy. Wow. She's quick. Fast. It, yeah. Now that reminds you of me, huh? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in love and I'm getting married. And then two weeks later, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So it seemed like Shakita was just really, really excited about this new romance. She even ended up moving in with him like within a few weeks. That's really fast. You think so? You know what? Let me not even say anything. No, because you're talking to me. And for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, yo. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Norma's like, let me not tell your business on the air. Because, mm-hmm. you know. Let me not air it out. Don't air it out, please. But anyways, I don't know. I mean, personally, for me, I'm not going to. I don't think it's too early. I think in this case, we're talking about adults. Yeah, I, I thought about that. I was yeah. like, wait a second. She's an adult. She's an adult. She has her career. She's all like set up. You know, it makes sense. Good to go. And by the way, at the time of her murder, she was 34. So at this point, she's probably like 32. Okay. So, okay. you know, she's doing her thing. I'm going to trust, you know, she has good judgment. I think she does. You know, based off of everything you've said so far. Yes, I think she does. So, all right. So I don't mean to turn this love story on its head, but I got to tell y'all that just about, I would say a few weeks before they got their marriage license. So they got their marriage license in January of 2008. I told you guys she got married early February 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you got you can get your marriage license early. And then like, you know, you just have to get married within a certain amount of days. Usually it's like 60 or 90 days, depending on where you are. But anyways, but a few weeks before she gets her marriage license, she makes a call to 911. I actually heard the 911 call. I'm still trying to figure out if I could play things like that for you guys, because some of it is like, for public consumption right. to a certain extent. And then other things, like it could violate some laws. So let me look into it. Anyways, I'll just tell you guys what she said. She basically said on the call that Greg had choked her and that he had either like possibly broken her arm. That was never confirmed after the fact. But the choking thing seemed to like keep coming up as mm-hmm. I watched the episode. I wish they talked about the arm thing because I honestly am curious. Like, did he break her arm? He probably yanked it enough that made her feel like he had broken it. Right. But he definitely choked her. And basically what happens is the cops come to the house. Apparently they issue citations to both parties. But then the case against Shakita gets dropped. And the case against Greg still stands. Okay, so he does have to keep going to court, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not dismissed. Yeah. Well, eventually he decides not to go to court. He's supposed to go, like, later that year in May. He doesn't go. And so so they issue a warrant for his arrest. Yeah. So this is important for later on in the story. This was a few weeks before they got their marriage license. So Shakita does end up getting her marriage license and obviously marrying Greg. Mm. And this was tough. This was tough. But you know what? I can speak from like different points of view. The point of view of being of being a volunteer at the domestic violence shelter near our house, the the point of view of being my myself being in those kinds of situations, I can say that if 
like she probably didn't know the extent of how bad it could get but like mm-hmm. once that happens one time your best bet is to leave yeah your best bet is to leave but that's near neither here nor there like i just want to be clear like no one's judging shakita for staying mm-hmm. because there's a lot of other elements that people aren't going to understand and statistics show that it takes someone like seven times before they actually leave their abuser. Really? Seven times of like, okay, I'm leaving. Okay, I'm wow. leaving. Okay. Yep. Yes. That's scary. Really scary. Seven times because I think it's a mix of emotions. You want to believe that this person is not this violent person. You've seen this person be kind. And mm-hmm. so you're just like, there's no way. And maybe if we work at it and at this point i mean they're married right so she's probably like i took my i take my vow seriously like we're gonna work through this we're gonna get through it together and stuff like that but again i think it's a i think it's a cautionary tale it's a cautionary tale and i think that gives you a little bit of a hint where i'm going with this story so let's go ahead and talk about the day slash night of shakita's murder That day, she did speak to her sister, Danita. And I told you guys in the beginning, she was super close to Danita. Danita was actually her legal assistant at work. She worked as her secretary, yeah. So Danita knew all her clients. She was there for all her meetings and things like that. Um, And I mean, she said that sometimes Shakita would get mad and call her up and fire her and then call her back and be like, okay, I need you to come in tomorrow. And I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) That's such a, like, such a sister relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. But Danita said that that morning, Shakita had called her and said, hey, like, I am getting a a divorce. So again, it's February 19th of 2009 at this point. Mm -hmm. So she says, you know, I want to get a divorce. I'm done with Greg. Okay, I'm done with him. Hmm. And and Danita doesn't think anything of it because she says that Shakita is always saying this. So she says she actually was like, girl, bye and hung up on her. That was the last thing she said to her? I think that was the last thing she said to her. Yeah, I know. I know. That must hit different. But, like, this is her sister. This is how they usually talk to each other. She's thinking that it's just a phase and stuff. Now, I don't know at this point if Danita knows this, but in court papers... Oh, okay. So I'll just say it. The person who murdered Shakita ends up filing an appeal like all these, you know people tend to do Mm -hmm. and the appeal gave me more information because i was actually able to find the court document and it turns out that shakita had signed a lease for an apartment in january of 2009 she was preparing to move out guys oh wow so i'm thinking that this time it seems like she was serious that she Mm -hmm. did want to leave him i mean you signed a whole lease what happens after that Well, that day she goes to court. She's even caught on camera, like talking to reporters and stuff on the last day. Yes. On the day of her murder. And she's so cheerful and bubbly. Like she was always super approachable and always was willing to talk about the case to the extent that she could. Right. So that's the last footage they have of her. Her saying like, have a good day, y'all. Like y'all be good now. Yes. Yes. As she walked into her office building. So here's where the timeline gets tricky. Shakita stays at work past her normal time. She usually closes her office around 5.30. Um, Her sister leaves at that time. Shakita tells her sister and her other like legal assistant, hey, you know, I'm going to stay. I got some work to do. I have to write some briefs and stuff like that. Mm. Now, some people say that she was preparing for a murder trial that was supposed to start on Monday. But then... On the Crime Watch Daily episode I watched, they just said that she was writing a brief. So I I think it was that she was writing a brief because technically the murder trial they would have possibly been referring to is a trial in which she was defending a guy in New Orleans. Well, not New Orleans. I always say New Orleans because I'm thinking Louisiana. But in Mm -hmm. Baton Rouge, um, he had supposedly set somebody on fire, killing them. Um... And Shakita did defend him. And Mm. apparently, right before her murder, the case was thrown out because the main witness turned up dead. Yeah. What? The main witness in that case turned up dead. It's it's an interesting case. I think his name was Danaco. 
Duhart. That's who she was defending. So, yeah, again, like the articles might get things confused and like the oxygen series versus true crime, like versus the crime watch daily. Sometimes that happens, but you guys, you know, I try to make it as like digestible or like easy to understand as possible. But that's the that's the tea on that. We'll come. We'll we'll definitely come back to the Duhart dude and all that in a little bit. Let's talk about what happens when she's at the office. So apparently the story now picks up from Greg's point of view because Shakita was murdered on the night of February 19th. Okay, so Greg says that he went to visit Shakita at work because she said she was hungry and wanted some food. Okay, she he brought her McDonald's. When he brings her the McDonald's, he said that he stayed there for a few hours and then he was like kind of tired. So she was like, babe, just go home. I'm going to stay here. I got to finish up. I'm going to meet you at home in like an hour or two. So homeboy goes home, allegedly. And a few hours pass. And now he's getting like frantic and he's calling her sister who's not answering. It's like three or four in the morning. And then he shows up to the office building at five in the morning. He can't get in because this office building has like pretty high security. And I don't think there's mm-hmm. a security guard there, but it's just the fact that it, it locks automatically after 5.30 p.m. and you'll need a key to enter. And he didn't have a key. So he gets there and he starts panicking. He sees her car. Um, at this point, she drives a Hummer just for visualization, visualization purposes. You know, mm-hmm. she was bougie. I love it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, her Hummer's still there. He's calling cops now, and his 911 call is very interesting. He's jumping the gun and saying, something has happened to my wife, like something horrible has happened, and they're like, okay, why do you think that? That's a little weird. And he's like, her Hummer's still here. She said she was coming home. She's not answering her phone. And they're like, okay. Um, and they're, he's like, I see that, like, I don't know, the lights are on in her office or something. I can't I can't get a hold of her. She could just be like avoiding you, bro, and like pulling an all nighter. Yeah, she could be in her own office. What if she's taking a nap? Yeah. It just this is stuff that the police in hindsight are like, hmm, that's that's a little tricky. Yeah. That's a little tricky. Mm -hmm. Okay, so of course the police come, they get the building manager or someone of that nature with access to the building to open the the building they get Mm -hmm. upstairs and they find Shakita in her office and she has been stabbed an insane amount of time like dozens of times like 40 something times what yes that's interesting I mean obviously anytime that you see some sort of stabbing to that extent there's some sort of premeditation there. There's some sort of emotion involved. It sounds like a passion killing passion, to me. Yeah. Stabbing. Stabbing, it's like if you want someone to go fast, this is something they talked about on the Crime Watch Daily episode. You just shoot them. Mm-hmm. You stabbed her 40 plus times. And not only that, whoever did this also like really took the knife to her face. And the way Prem Burns, the prosecutor, ends up describing it is like it's almost as if they wanted to disfigure her face almost as they like yeah you're not so beautiful anymore are you type thing wow very devastating so she was pronounced dead at the scene she was pronounced dead at the scene it was very bloody it was clear that she had been that she was deceased Mm -hmm. her sister got to the scene and she just knew right away once she saw the tape she was just like Shakita's dead I just know it know it like I just which is really sad really really sad Prem Burns the prosecutor also describes it as as like just seeing someone butchered she described it as like this Shakita was butchered wow yes so she was pretty much like unrecognizable unrecognizable to a certain extent yep wow and it looks like at least in one of the articles I read, it said that it looks like it was like a knife wound to her neck that did the, you know, that killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other stab wounds were pretty deep. They all varied, but it was just the fact that it was like over 40 times. I mean, mm-hmm. that is insane. She did have defensive wound marks on her hand. She had hair 
in her hand, in her left hand, like black hair, kind of long. There was DNA under her fingernails. But if you see the crime footage, like the crime scene footage, you'll see her nails are just like bloody in general. Like her hands are just bloody. Mm. So this is what they're able to see when they first get to the crime scene. But it's devastating. It's devastating for everybody because they're just like, this is somebody who is a shining star in the community. She's doing the people's work. Why Shakita? Yeah, why would someone do this? Exactly. And we're about to get to that now. I think this is a good time to just jump into the suspects list. And there were actually a few people they were looking at. I know what everyone's thinking. Like, did Husband Greg do it? One. Right. Don't worry. He's on their list of, like, people of interest. Mm-hmm. So first thing that they do was, I guess, look around. Like, look to her clientele. Yeah. They're just like, would anyone be, like really upset about like the outcome of the case and stuff but like none of those things panned out none of them at all Mm -hmm. so they're like okay no then someone suggested i think look at the victims of the you know because technically shakita's on the defense side right so she could be defending a murderer for example so people are wondering is it the victim's family who might have like come after her you never know. It's never possibility. I mean, with these kinds of jobs, I think as a judge, prosecutor, mm-hmm. defense attorney, whatever side you're on, it's very dangerous. That's also why I don't do it because I'm too scared. But I do this. I do this where I'm like doing true crime and then like going in on the people who murdered these people. Right. But yeah. I ain't too scared for that. But I'm scared for everything else. Right. They were able to just kind of like cross that one off their list, too. And... People might be wondering, like, well, was there a robbery? Was this a robbery? And it wasn't, guys. Her Hummer was still parked outside. Her jewelry she had on her engagement ring and her wedding ring and diamond earrings. Her purse was there. Like, nothing was touched except for her wallet. Her wallet was missing. But I'll Hmm. let you guys know in a second about the wallet. Because that one's, that's interesting. Let's talk about other people who were suspected of being involved in Shakita's murder. So this is another angle that the police officers were working on this case. Someone actually called into the tip line and said that the police needed to look into one of her clients. So remember I said, you know, the clients were scratched up, you know, they Mm -hmm. were struck out right from the beginning. No, apparently there was this tipster who said, you know what, that she was representing a same sex lesbian couple in an adoption, in an adoption, sorry, and that she was having some sort of like sexual relationship with them and that they needed to look into this couple because you know there was hairs found in her hand and it was probably them well the police looked into this couple and they had nothing but great things to say about shakita her sister is like so confused by this she's like why would anyone would ever say something like this right like, first of all, you're trying to also, like, smear her her reputation as an attorney, as a mm-hmm. professional. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do that. Don't come for her. And it was an, an anonymous tip? It was an anonymous tip, but guess what? They were able to figure trace out who the phone they were able to trace it. And uh, you will not mm. believe who made this I call, can't guys. I hear this. It was Greg's sister. Greg's sister made this call to the cops. Wow. And remember, we're in Louisiana. The cops had to go to Texas because the call was from Texas. They had to go all the way to Texas. And then they finally met her and they're like, what's your relationship to this case? And she's like, Greg is my brother. Wow. I mean, really? You're actually, if anything, throwing your brother in hot water. You're not helping. And it's interesting because his dad and his mom, Greg's mom and dad, okay, they're interviewed in the Oxygen special, and they stand by Greg. And they say that, like, the dad actually says, you know what, it wasn't my daughter's fault. Like, I made her, I brought up the idea. Like, it was something that I heard from an attorney. And I brought it up to her, and she made the call because she wanted to. No one forced her to. But every lead should be assessed. And I'm like okay but that why make an anonymous call 
Mm-hmm. Why not just call them up yourself? I think it just makes it more sinister. It gives me more like mysterious vibes. Maybe at the same time, she's like, if I call in myself and I tell them who I am, are they even going to look into it and take it seriously? Maybe. Because there's some bias there. She's his sister. Yeah. But I think making doing it anonymously was also a mistake because it, it puts some I mean, sort it definitely, of shroud of... It backfired, There's for sure. a cloud of mystery hanging over Greg at this point. Yeah. It's a dark cloud. All right. We might as well go ahead and talk about Greg because... Again, Greg is her husband, and at this point for 14 and a half months, according to a CNN article. The police officers in all these cases, in, in all cases, I would say, involving like the murder of a loved one, they always look to the family first. And if you're in a relationship, they look to that person first, no matter what. Mm-hmm. They have to cross you off the list. It seems here that they really struggled to cross Greg off the list for a few reasons, Okay. His car was ticketed around the time of the murder. Now, hold on. He did say he went to bring Shakita food. Mm-hmm. He brought her McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So his car might have gotten a ticket at 8 o'clock. I mean, now I'm thinking about parking meters. I'm like, dang, parking meters like are still going at that time? I guess it depends on the neighborhood. But his car was ticketed. I'm like, okay, this is... I mean, this does place him at the scene, but he already placed himself at the scene. Mm-hmm. So... It's not too shocking. Now, he said that he did bring her food, but her sister talks to a relative later on after all this happened, and the relative said, Shakita actually came to Wendy's to get food from me that day. So why would he... I really don't understand her calling him for food. Mm -hmm. And guys, nowhere online could I find anything about, like, them looking into her cell phone records was greg you know did she really call greg at the time he said he said surveillance right no well yes he had a receipt for mcdonald's okay he did have a receipt but the point is i think at this point we could say that greg could be making up this story i mean if shakita already ate why would she need to call him for food and now here's a relative saying i mean she came to wendy's and i actually gave her free food And when they got to the scene, they didn't find a Wendy's bag, which her sister was like, well, it's because she obviously ate the Wendy's. But they did find the McDonald's bag. Okay. That was my next question. I don't know what was in the McDonald's bag. They didn't say. Mm. Has she consumed it? Has she not? We don't know. Let's talk about the Gucci wallet. I don't think I let you guys know earlier it was Gucci, but it is Gucci. Mm. It turned up the same night of her murder on the most like one of the most dangerous parts of town on a sidewalk and this is going to give people chills the person who found it is shakita shakita's um hairstylist coincidentally found her wallet on the street she opened it and she was like wait a minute this person yeah all the credit cards were there everything that was in the wall everything was there so someone clearly had just driven by Placed and tossed it, it and mm-hmm. just maybe they were hoping that someone's going to pick it up, bring it to the cops, and now they're going to be framed for the murder. But yeah, this is what the Crime Watch Daily episode said. Now on the Oxygen episode, they said it was like a mom of a student at a school that Shakita spoke at, like about her career and stuff. So I don't know who this person was. It could have been her hairdresser. It could have been a, a parent. But they knew Shakita is the point. So mm-hmm. she, they were able to hand over the wallet to the police. Now, the police, of course, bring this up to Greg because they do interrogate him. And Greg's story is that he went straight home after he brought, you know, Shakita food. And the police were like, really? They start trying. Basically, they start lying to him, which is totally 100% allowed. P- police can lie to you. That's why yeah. you should never, ever, ever, even if you are 100% innocent, don't talk to cops Don't without talk. your lawyer. Don't do yeah. it. Ask for a lawyer. Because then this is where his story starts to shift. I think he's really feeling the heat at this point. They say to Greg, we know you didn't go home. And he's like, yeah, I did. And they're like, no, you didn't. We have we have footage or we have cell phone records that show that your cell phone pinged off of these towers. It's actually in this part of town. And it's the same part of town where they found their, her wallet, right? So they just mm-hmm. dropped that part of town. They were like, I want to say it's called like, Gardier Lane or something like there. Something like that, sorry. And he admits to being there. He's like, actually, 
you know what? I was over there. I was buying steroids. It makes sense because it's in the it's in the hood. Okay. He, you know what I'm saying? He's like trying to. Well, I mean, you could honestly you could he, buy steroids anywhere at this day and age. True, right? but is he a user? Apparently, like, he steroids? is because apparently he's like a big guy. Okay. Let me paint the picture for you guys about Greg. Greg is like six three or six four, two hundred something pounds. Mm. Shakita's five six, and like one hundred thirty to one hundred forty pounds. So, just you know, just for like imaginary purposes, just mm-hmm. think about that. But what else is going on with Greg? Did they find anything to tie Greg to the scene? Well, the scene was pretty bloody because if you're stabbing someone that many times, there's going to be blood everywhere. There's blood spatter. There's a bunch of stuff. And it gets so slippery. And I only know this because I watch shows, not because anything else. Okay, let's get that right. But you get so slippery that you could end up cutting your hand on the knife. And that's sometimes how they get the murderer. Because they're stabbing and then their hand slips and boom, cut their hand and now their DNA is on the knife. Mm. They could not find almost anyone's DNA anywhere. The elevator was clean. The hallway, no blood. But like I said earlier, they did find DNA under her fingernails. It turns out that that DNA was Greg's DNA. However, it also had an unknown male's DNA under her nail. There was also an unknown male DNA. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, okay, let's play devil's advocate here. We could think of many reasons um, Greg's DNA could be under her nail. Yeah, of course. I mean... She lives with him. This is her husband. But a random person's DNA, also a male, under her nails. She was not cheating on Greg, none of that stuff. And he did try to accuse her of that. And and that seems to be a pattern of his, as we'll see during his trial with his past girlfriends. But she wasn't doing any of that. So, I mean, the only thing I could think of is like, what if this is her murderer? Her murderer's DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all those things are enough for Greg to be arrested and for him to be charged with second degree murder. The police basically say Greg had a motive. Greg's past girlfriends, like I just mentioned, they had similar experiences with Greg where he used to beat them up. He would choke them, etc. Okay. And during his trial, they did testify to this. Shakita also had a life insurance policy. Now, different articles and different sources say different things about how much it was worth. But what was also consistent in all of these things is that Greg was having money issues. It's always money issues with these mm, fools, mm, okay? Mm. He had called his, um, I want to say his employer up. Yes, because Greg, Greg was a contractor, by the way. He called up his employer to see if he could borrow against his 401k. His employer said no, because apparently he had already like done that for Greg. And so like they couldn't do it again. But what Mm. was interesting was the appeal document said something that these shows did not say. Greg's reason that he gave the employer was that he needed money because his brother was being charged with murder. Does that make sense? Does he even have a brother? He does have a brother okay. who 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 fights tooth and nail for him on the Oxygen show. I mean, he is his brother's biggest advocate. Mm. Yeah. So, but, but they have confirmed that the brother was not charged with murder, never was, never was a suspect in a murder. So why give that as a reason to your employer? Again, this isn't the court appeals document from the court itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like, dang, they are spilling the tea that none of these shows had. Now, let me talk a little bit about Greg's brother, because I think like any sibling, he, he definitely fights tooth and nail for Greg and to defend his honor. But Greg's past girlfriends, at least one of them have testified that the brother saw Greg beating her up. And the brother actually had to pull Greg off of her. So this is not Shakita in the case. It's his other ex-girlfriend. So I'm just like, Yikes. okay, that's not a good, that's not good. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, as a sibling, you pull your brother aside. You have a conversation with him. But again, there's such thing as ride or die. And it seems like his brother's riding for Greg till the yeah, end. Yeah, clearly. He is riding for Greg. 
You might be wondering at this point, where is Greg now? What happens? Well, after 16 days of trial, the jury deliberates and they find Greg is guilty of manslaughter. Really? Yes. So again, he wasn't charged with first degree murder, right, guys? He was charged with second degree. Okay. And they did give the jury an option. If you can't find, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt for second degree murder, you can put manslaughter, which is like, you know, manslaughter... It doesn't have the same repercussions, I feel like. It doesn't mean the same thing. I think, like, the way I think of manslaughter sometimes is, like, oopsie daisies. Yeah, that's the way that I think about it. Like, oopsie daisies, I accidentally killed somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, my actions accidentally killed someone. My actions killed someone. I might not have meant it. Yeah. And and I don't know. Maybe because they weren't convinced. Maybe because they heard the information about the DNA under the nails being Mm -hmm. of somebody else. Maybe... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they heard other things that they were like, hmm, I'm not sure. So, I mean, I'm curious to know how the prosecutor did handle that whole DNA of like a random person being on her nail. Like, I do wonder about that, but I could not find any um, court transcripts surrounding the trial itself. So either way, with manslaughter, you would think that he would get a lesser sentence, but the judge actually gave him the maximum sentence, which was 40 years without the possibility of parole. And wow. and the least amount he could have gotten, guys, was five years. This judge said, I'm going to throw the whole book. Damn. And, of course, guess what he's doing now? He is trying to appeal it. Of course, mm-hmm. he. I told you guys he appealed it the first time, right? He was basically saying, you know, it was like, the sentence was like, too long, it's too excessive. And he also said like, that they violated an evidence rule by allowing, like, past situations with past girlfriends in. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. technically, technically. Probative value of it. Right, right. Technically, you're not supposed to use evidence to be like, well, if he did X, he clearly did Y. Yeah. Like, Norma rode her bike on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. She obviously rode it on Friday. Yeah. You're not supposed to use it to be like, if X, then Y, duh, no. But it, but it can come in if you can show it came in from a, for another reason, for another like purpose. motive. You want to you wanna prove motive. You want to prove bias. Intent. You want to prove other things. Scheme other than of common scheme of planning. Right. You want to if you can prove to the judge that you want to bring it in, not for to show propensity, not to show like if you did X, then you had to do Y. If you want if you want it to come in, you have to show it came in for another reason. And that's what this attorney did. This is what the prosecutor did successfully. And that's how they were able to get in the fact that he had, in fact, like you know, beat up his other girlfriends. And I meant to say earlier about the warrant, because I did mention that he had skipped out. That's how they were able to hold him for a short period of time after his, like, interrogation for the case. Because they're like, a lot of the times, like, cops just need time. Detectives need time to kind of get the case together, get, get the case together, get some warrants together and stuff like that. And if you have a warrant on file, it's a blessing to them. They're like, oh, hell yeah, now I can hold them. I might not have evidence to hold them on this, but look, they have a warrant open on something else. And that's what they did. They used the warrant. They were able to hold him and, you know, get whatever other other evidence. I should also mention, like with Greg, there were other things to connect him. Like they did find a mixture of blood of his and Shakita's blood on like a pair of sunglasses he had in the car and also on a on a thing of Clorox in his home. And they found like specks of blood throughout the house. Yeah, that's interesting. That's weird. Throughout the the house that they live in? Yeah, the house they live in. Huh. But they didn't find anything of that sort in the office. No. Chiquita's office. No. That's so weird. They did not. And you said like there was nothing on the elevator. There was no footprints. Nothing there. No DNA. No DNA. Hmm. Did he change his clothes? They couldn't find any, like, clothes or anything. Like, and, and they're saying that if a person did this, they should be in blood-soaked clothing, mm-hmm. right? You would be leaving some sort of trace? No. But is it possible that he changed there, put his clothes you in the bag, know. and walked out? I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, I well, were the cameras, why. let's talk about this, were the cameras on the street working? The one in front of her building was not working that day. Their response about that, the city's response is that it was knocked out by a storm, but y'all know it probably just was Mm. not repaired for a while and they forgot to do it. So, and 
I know people are probably also wondering about the hair that was in her, her hand. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about so, that. So the prosecution, basically, their whole case was that Greg had staged this entire thing, that he had thrown her wallet out the window. He had planted those hairs in her hand and that they came from a weave, like a wig or something like that, because they didn't have roots at the end of it. And they just said it was weird how it was intertwined in her fingers and that if she had really been grabbing someone, it would have been like her hand would have been like more in a different position Mm. versus like how it was. It was like, like interwoven between her fingers. Okay. And they're like, it was just so obvious. The Prem Burns, the prosecutor said it was just so obviously there that like anyone who had done this could have just taken it with them right like you see your hair on someone you're like oh shoot i should probably collect this before Mm -hmm. the cops do no that didn't happen so basically the prosecution's whole case was you know he did it he tried to stay he tried to pretend he didn't oh i I have to this episode is going to be a little longer than it's supposed to be but there was just so much for this case that it was hard to like honestly compress it into 45 minutes but there's one night a few there's more yeah there's more there's one night after the murder that like greg goes home and at 3 40 in the morning someone shoots five times into his window his dad's like thank god greg wasn't in the room because if he was he would have been dead but that night he slept on the couch and it's like that's also something the prosecution was like okay this is bs and, and But they never really, they didn't talk about the forensics of it, right? I don't know if, like, a team went and, like, like I don't know, looked at footprints in the ground or anything yeah. like that. They never, they didn't get into details about this, and I couldn't find it online. But the prosecution was all about saying, like, yeah, Greg. Um, this he, was something this else was that was staged. staged. This was staged. He just tried mm-hmm. to make it seem like the killer was still loose. They want me. And they're just like, why would they want you, though? Why would they want to kill Yeah, you? I mean, like, why would they want to kill a number one suspect? Right. Like, why would they, would... like, what's the ties there? And and they couldn't come up with ties. So they're just like, this, this mm-hmm. man probably made this whole thing up. So, this of course, like I said, Greg, of course, filed the appeal. But then recently, he tried to file for a new trial. And for this one, which was interesting, I think he might have put this in his other appeal document. But I actually, no, actually, I didn't see it in that one. He said... And this is interesting with conflicts of interest. The judge who tried him was actually someone that Shakita had clerked for in the past. Shakita had also represented this judge in a civil suit. So is and this, this judge presided like over the trial. Of right, of this some might sort? be a conflict of interest. The judge should have recused themselves, yeah. right? But the judge did say, like, admit to Shakita, like, clerking for them, right? Mm-hmm. But they never mentioned the lawsuit part. So Greg obviously was not having it. But the argument now is like, okay, Greg, your defense team didn't object to it when it first happened. They didn't object to it when the judge said that there was some sort of relationship, right? Maybe not to the extent that people would want to know, but they didn't object to it. So either way, his, his whole petition for retrial has been denied. He wants the DNA, the other DNA to be tested, that has not happened yet. And so That's Greg is in weird prison. That the other the, the other DNA was never tested? It was never tested. Well, it was tested enough to know like it's an on no oh, male right. DNA, yeah. right? Yeah. And they probably did put it on CODIS and they didn't get a hit. Yeah. So no one knows, but Greg does say Greg thinks he knows who killed Shakita. He thinks it was one of the Duhart brothers. You know, the one that she helped and got off like of a murder charge but why would they that's what i that's There's what no i'm trying to there right right they got off of a murder charge that's what i thought and then other articles said that actually that they hadn't gotten off yet and that maybe they decided to do this because they knew that it would stall their trial a little bit more and eventually like get the stuff dropped but i don't know I don't know, because I watched the Crime Watch Daily episode, and they said that this happened before. Meaning, like, she got the brother off, like, because it's three brothers. She got, and it was two brothers that were charged with murder. She was defending one of the brothers. She got him off before her death. So I'm just going to stick to that, because that's what they were saying in that episode. And, I mean, they're interviewing family members and stuff, so let's roll with that. So, yeah, there's no, like, he doesn't have any concrete 
reason for why one of the brothers would want to kill her. And the brother he says who did it, this brother died actually in 2013. And he was like, he had a master's in social work and he was a social worker and like doing well in the community. What? Yeah, so it doesn't really add up. I don't know if they've tested the brother's DNA against um, this brother's DNA against like the DNA under her nail. They mm-hmm. haven't said that. Um, I just think that Greg's story has a lot of holes in it. He had motive. I think he had opportunity. He yeah. he had gotten into an argument with Shakita before. She had actually gone ahead and signed a lease for a new place. I mean, she was. it seemed to me like she was moving on with her life or wanted to move on with her life, and maybe he just wasn't okay with that. Yeah, that's literally what it seems like. It's just really sad because, again, another another person just gone for what for what like dude you could have just like moved out you could have like it's his house so she already moved out right so it's like you could have just lived in your house and like lived gone on with your life yeah but you decided to take a life and now you're in prison for 40 years yeah so it's like that makes (laughs) people really just don't think these things through clearly yeah yeah but too hot-headed in the moment you're angry you're angry but you know what's interesting and i feel like it's important to say shakita's sister doesn't really seem convinced that greg did it her sister that worked with her danita mm-hmm. she doesn't really seem convinced really yeah i saw this in an episode on the oxygen episode actually like which was interesting to me because I'm like, huh? Because in, in, cri- in the crime Watch a Daily episode, she says, like, I guess my sister was happy. I don't really know. But she also says, like, I, I don't know. Like, in the Oxygen episode, it made it seem like she didn't really see him as somebody who could do that. Mm-hmm. But what I will say about people like that, like, let's say, let's, let's just call a spade a spade and say Greg is the murderer. I mean, he is in prison for it, right? People can be chameleons they can show your family one side and the other side you know they could really just be a terror to the person Mm -hmm. so a lot of times families might not even know so danita might just be might just know greg on a level of like on like an outer layer versus like shakita and whatever she was dealing with right so i just think that that's something that has to be kept in mind in cases like these not everybody is like that right like I'm not saying, I mean, some people, like, maybe there is a person out there where his wife is murdered and he really didn't do it and mm-hmm. he is a good guy and the family can vouch for him. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, uh, this case doesn't really give me that vibe. Yeah. It doesn't give me that vibe. I Did think he, like, collect her life insurance? No. He wasn't able to do that? No. Okay. There's probably, so usually in most states they have slayer statues, which is, like, if you killed the person. Oh, okay. I was, okay. You can't collect. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I do know that. Yeah. Um, you know this. Yeah. Norma's in law school. She knows this. <laughs> but that is the Shakita Tate case. It's just, I, I have no words. That's like always my words at the end of every episode, but it's like, that's my true sentiment. That's really how I feel. It sucks. It's unfair. And, you know, I, I pray for her family and her loved ones who had to suffer this great loss. I mean, she was a shining star. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She, she was that person, her family, who was like really just out there doing her thing, helping the family, helping the community. And then somebody just, what, takes her out for what? There's never a good reason for There's that. Never. Never. And I got, yeah, and that's that. So you guys, you know, use it as a cautionary tale. I think, I mean, this is clearly like a domestic violence related case. I think that people should just be aware that things like this, they do happen. And let it serve, like, as a tale to you guys that it could happen to anybody. Yeah. 
If you or any loved ones are going through any type of situation of this nature with domestic violence involved, I encourage you, we both encourage you to call 1-800-799-SAFE. So 1-800-799-7233. That's the domestic violence hotline. Call it. Talk to somebody. That's something else. Tell somebody. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, like, things could happen. You might not tell anybody. They're not going to know. You know what I'm saying? I understand people are embarrassed. I understand you're afraid and stuff like that. But you got to talk. Because yeah, how are people You could save know? a life. You could save your own you life. You could save your own life. This world is a spooky place. Please be safe out there. Thank you for tuning in. And see y'all next Tuesday.